0: Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our Q&A sessions, where David and Brent answer questions from the audience and also any questions from our social media followers. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode.
1: Well, hello there. Welcome back to yet another Q&A stream. This has actually been the first one in a while. We've been away. I've been away. Um, I decided to disappear into a... uh into a small oasis called a beach uh, with my family. And it was awesome, And um, but I'm excited to be back, get back up on the horse here and spend some quality time with the community. And um, yeah, I mean, we've got a bunch of questions piling up in the backlog. Of course, that's sort of par for the course at this point. And, uh, and then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what everyone has been, um, you know, maybe uh, if any any crazy questions might've uh, came out of nowhere over the last couple of weeks um, You know, seeing that you haven't had an outlet to put them somewhere. So let's get David in here and get started. David. Hey, Brent. Hello.
2: Where, what happened? To my what hair? happened to the hair?
1: Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it just decides to go
2: away. that That's my first question of this Q&A. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The, the audience deserves to know what happened.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it was, it was time. I usually kind of just, once it starts getting sloppy and annoying, I just shave it all off and then it feels so good. And then eventually that day comes around again, and next you know a couple months from now, and it all happens all over again. It's sort of like the circle of life with regards to (laughs) hair.
2: All right, question number two: How's your eyes going? It's
1: you know what I had a breakthrough moment. It still looks like a disaster, but (laughs) believe it or not, last night it stopped hurting when I blinked, which is a big, big step in the right direction. Um, It's actually kind of reduced a little bit in size, so I think it's finally, finally starting to go you know go go f itself, itself and go somewhere else
2: so what you just didn't blink for for t- three weeks
1: and then <laughs> no, you blinked
2: I, once and you're no, like I oh just, that that was the issue
1: no no i was just like ouch 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 ouch. it was mm. just hurt every single time i did it yeah good times good times <laughs> um but yeah no i think um i think i think that we're seeing the end of the the, the light at the end of the tunnel for my eye Quite literally, um, because now I can see a bit better with my eye. You know, it's not half <laughs> shut, which is kind of a big a big bonus.
2: All right. So we'll have the, the chance to dig a little bit more into the the, the pile of questions that we, well, that we there's have. Some, so that's I, there's good. some
1: juicy ones, actually, in there. I, I was noticing uh, in the um, the backlog that would be great to get into tonight. So mm-hmm. we'll see what, uh, what happens. Let's start there, because uh, hi, chat, by the way. Welcome back. Um, let's see what's uh, what we got going on here. We got one here from Keyframe Coyote. Copy and paste it in here. There it is. It's a good one. This kind of came up in in the past, but it's it's nice to kind of address it again because it's very specific. I get pretty frustrated when my lead gives me feedback to change my animation, but then the director gives me a note that reflects my original animation in the first place. Mm -hmm. How can I not let this bother me so much when it makes me feel uh, that the director might uh, think I'm an incompetent animator and I resent any, uh, sorry, and I resent and don't trust my lead. Can I bring this up in any way? Or do I keep quiet, do my job and find a new studio?
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would challenge any senior animator uh, to say that they never went through that experience Mm -hmm. ever. Like I I, I Mm -hmm. often have the, the, the very rough, not scientific math that, you know, if you're extremely good at what you're doing especially in a subjective environment with creativity. Uh, You might be right 80% of the time. So imagine all the decisions that every director and every lead have to do on a daily basis. There is a lot of time that your lead is going to think one direction. And it just happened that it's not the direction that the director would have preferred you to go. And you actually had the, uh, you were already going in that direction uh so it's a very classic uh situation so that's uh so yeah let's let's dive into it um i'm trying to gather my thoughts i've many uh on the topic Mm -hmm. i I would maybe just start by saying that uh don't be frustrated or if you are try to do a good job at not showing that you are uh, frustrated, uh, it's part of being a professional artist. Uh, it's going to happen, and you will judge by how you reacted to the situation, not by the situation uh, itself, because it's it's going to to happen. That's that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, if you say that you. Um, You know, if you have very hard emotion and and think that, you know, the admission director will think that you're an incompetent and all that, uh, my my first thought is to high-level work on your self-esteem. That's going to be step number one. Because if you are confident in your skills and you understand the game and you understand that your lead is going to make mistake at one, and let's assume we're in a situation that this is not something that happened at every single shot that you're doing. But it's something that happened once uh, once in a while. Try not to be too emotionally affected uh, by it. And the the way to build your character to not be too emotionally affected by it is to build on your self-esteem and your ability uh, and, and your competence. And this is taking years. I mean, the imposter syndrome is not going to go anywhere. That's, uh, that's for sure. Uh, but just as a much higher level before we dive into what you should specifically do in this situation, uh, yeah, working on your self-esteem over time to, and be comfortable with the fact that you are competent and it's not this kind of situation that's going to change any competent animation or director uh, Mm -hmm. if it happens, even if it happens a a couple of times.
1: So David is right. This is inevitable. This is going to happen. There is literally no avoiding it. It it may not happen on your current job, but it damn well probably will happen on some future job. Um, it's just it's just the way it is. My biggest like, it's it's an impossible scenario. It's impossible because you're dealing with two different individuals, both of which have absolutely some authority over you. So it's kind of a bit of a problem. It's like your mom comes to you and tells you how to do something. Your dad comes to you and separately, tells you to do something. They both expect you to do the thing, but those two things are incompatible with one another. Now what do you do? Well, my biggest advice to you, my friends, is to teach them to make sure that they don't go to you separately. What you need to try to do is insist whenever possible that the other person, so it's easy when it's the lead because the lead is typically going to be the one's going to give you the feedback. The animation director should never be going directly to you. It's offside as far as I'm concerned. Now, it's a little hard to blow the whistle and then have them listen because maybe they like being offside. So that's a bit of a difficult difficult situation. If it's a habit, you need to talk to your lead because the lead's not going to want that anyways. It's not good for the lead. It's not good for you. It's not good for anybody. So you need to be delicate. You need to be... Um, like David said, don't take it personally and try to be constructive with this and try to change because here's the thing you might, even if you somehow dodge the first time it happens, if it happened once it's going to happen again, that I can damn well assure you. It's, it's about personality and it's about a broken workflow and it's about people like not necessarily having, um, you know, the discipline to do it the right way, which is to make sure that people don't go around everybody. It's a broken telephone (laughs) game and it's not fun.
2: It's funny, Brent, that you uh, you interpreted that it was a situation where the lead would give a comment and the animation director would arrive and give a, another one. I was hmm. under the assumption that it would be like your lead during dailies or or whatever would provide you a note, and hmm. then you go in uh, reviews with everyone and the animation director, and then the animation director in front of everyone oh, would provide a feedback yeah. that is okay. different than what the lead provided. And if I understand the situation properly, the lead hmm. didn't do the right thing, which would be to acknowledge in front of everyone. Actually, I'm sorry, it was my direction. The initial version is exactly what What you wanted. So we're going to go back to it. I'm assuming it's under this situation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you're you're assuming this because you and I have a common friend who this happened to, which I think is probably why you're immediately interpreting it that way. Well, I mean, we probably all have a friend, including ourselves. Um, but anyways, uh,
2: I, I, I think actually it's more to your point that animation director usually don't come directly to you to give feedback. To. They are going to give feedback in, in dailies or exactly. weeks in front of everyone. I think that's, that's the way I, that's it, it's a reason of my assumption.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the way it's supposed. But I've seen it happen. I've definitely seen it happen before where that doesn't happen. I've seen I've seen animation directors. Um, I've seen um everybody i see like producers come in like hey you know i think it would be great if you did this and it's like um so um okay so if that's the case like so that my answer to the if it, my answer stands if it's that scenario if i interpreted it correctly the the funny thing is you can interpret this lots of different ways because they all are true They you yeah. find they, they, they all happen <laughs> they all happen the idea being that at the end of the day, there's conflict uh, in, 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 uh, there's disparities between the actual feedback. Um, So the the one that you, so having now you, brought my brain to kind of a bit more of a uh, along the lines of what you were thinking. I think that's probably a more common problem, because at that point, it's kind of tricky because you'd be like, oh, I pitched an idea to my lead. My lead didn't like it. And then I go along with the leads direction and then I end up in dailies and I get my ass handed to me by the director because the director's like, this is a really fucking terrible shot. It should have been like this. And then you're just like, I can't believe this That's exactly (laughs) what I am.
0: Why am I
1: here? So, I this is 100% an extremely common scenario, and that's that's a tough one. I do agree with David. Unfortunately, the the in if in that scenario, the lead is offside because the lead 100% has to take responsibility in some way. Um, they have to because they can't though they will not save face in front of you or the team, and it's very it's going to become very difficult for them. Um, yeah. I got some good news for you though, it's being done in front of everybody. Um, and so what that means is, um, I think, yeah, if you, and this is going to be very, I don't know how, I don't know if this, I should even say this, but you need to. I think in situations like this, I think it's best to try to be be constructive it's going to happen. Find a way of putting yourself in a situation where people know it's happening to you, not because you're going to go and complain, but like, you know, maybe talk a little bit about your idea and pitch it and like, you know, maybe pitch it in a group, like make sure that it's, it's because if it, if it becomes just you in the corner, when the only one who knows is your lead, and then, and then you end up being embarrassed, um, in, in the, uh, the meeting and the lead just doesn't say anything. They don't even mention it. The next time you sit together, down together, like as if they'd even notice it's like, that's going to become a problem for you over time. Time, I think for mm-hmm. sure. So you, you're gonna. I think in that case, you can you can, you know, try to find a way of of making so it's not just the two of you. Maybe um, or maybe you need you. You're gonna have to have a conversation with your lead. Obviously.
2: Yeah. You, I uh, I agree. Uh, at this point, if it's a situation where your lead didn't, you know, uh, uh, back to you in the uh, the, the dailies, uh, even if you don't trust your lead, is is your lead? And again, you're a. A professional artist you are paid to do the the work so you have to yeah. do the proper thing yeah. you have to take your courage or if it's not courage just y- you need to go and talk to your lead and say well yeah. okay right. we're both in agreement that this happened. Um, you know I'd like to gain your trust so maybe next time I'm allowed to show what I'm uh, wanted to to uh, to present. Um, and try to work on that relationship. And maybe yeah. it can be to a point of a very direct question. Uh, hey, Joe, Joe, my lead. Uh, would you mind if next time, if we have a disagreement, I'm totally going to do your idea, but I'd like to send both versions yeah. in the Uh We're going to show yours first, but if there's a comment that leans to what I did originally, yeah. Will you allow me to show the other version so we can all you know be more efficient and I can right away show yep. in what other direction it could be going and, and we can learn uh, uh, move on from there. If this is not acceptable for your lead, maybe <laughs> now there's a problem yeah. that is going to require. It. So maybe yeah. speak with the coordinator Absolutely. or other leads or just people in the periphery that might be a guidance of how to approach well, you know maybe there's a personal situation maybe there's a personal comfort you don't know just investigate yeah. a little bit totally. why w- why is he blocking me this is not su- su- supposed and worse comes course you know hr are there if there's a yeah. you know problem yeah. but i would say to go over him and talk directly to the admission director is the last thing yeah. that you want don't to do don't do that
1: Bad move. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're just all you're doing is you're you're declaring war at that point, Um, because there's a good chance that that the lead of yours is probably got a bit of an ego problem. That's very good chance. It, and that's assuming that after you've talked to him, like David just said, and you offer this amazing like silver platter solution, because there's literally no reason for that person to say no, because here's the thing. You're, the onus is on you you're now willing to do twice the amount of work just to prove a point and to to save face in the meeting and be like look okay I think we can go either way here we'll show yours first if the, if the director likes it likes it that's where we're going to go but at least allow me to, a chance to have plan B because it makes us look uh, it makes us both look good and I think this is key that you need to frame it in a way that it's not about you versus your lead, it's not about you not trusting your lead. It's about how can the two of you be a better team together and and both look good in front of the director because both of you want that. That's one thing that you both have in common. So you need to find a way of leveraging that so you you kind of unpersonalize it in some way. But if they don't want to cooperate because they're just too much of a control freak slash egomaniac slash like I shouldn't be in this job, then you are absolutely going to have to be very, very careful and but not do not do not turn it into a political war. That is a bad move because they've yeah. got friends. They didn't get there by accident and they probably have been there a little longer than you and they might make your life very miserable. So you better if you're going to go to war, that's your choice, but you better be to, to, to start looking for a new job at the same time.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I would say be patient, be resilient. Sometimes leads have bad days, bad week, bad whatever. If, you know, you, pr- you propose, oh, what if next time I have two versions, mm-hmm. say, oh, this wouldn't be acceptable. Okay, okay, back off. Go again the next week and, yeah, yeah. you know, be That's persistent uh, yeah. until be sure when you start to go around the lead, not above it, but around it, yeah. uh, that you tried everything. There's like, Absolutely. OK, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to block me no matter what. And yeah. I, I do agree with when at that point. It becomes an ego thing yeah. for any reason. It seems that maybe he is threatened by your skills. Maybe he's, <laughs> he's, he feels threatened for his own a job he feels that he needs to control everything otherwise he's not doing a probably whatever the reason just make sure that you've yeah. tried m- multiple times before you go to a plan plan b right. on and this
1: sleep one with one eye open that's yep. just a good rule <laughs>
2: just
1: so so basically um yeah good one that's a juicy one um it's like politics at the studio one-on-one um i think you know like like i think like to sum it up keep You know, be constructive and, like, try to make sure you understand the problems. That's why having dialogue with the lead is important because if you can, like, disarm them and just, like, put the cards on the table and be like, look, like – how can we avoid this in the future? Like, what can we do? Like, you, if you can understand why they might be saying no, or why, like, why they decide to go in a different direction, or whatever, maybe, like, maybe you can come up with some custom-tailored solution that works for both you and the lead. Leave some room to come up, come up with some sort of compromise. You might surprise yourself, and uh, it might actually be the beginning of a very strong, beautiful friendship because um, leads really kind of like it when someone is actually willing to collaborate with them. But keep them, allow them to be in the steering wheel, or so have their hands on the steering wheel, but. Um, but, uh, you know, but look for creative solutions to the problem. Yep. Okay, we got Petter. He showed up with his big question. So um, thanks for not showing up at the 11th hour and asking the juicy question, Petter. That's nice of you. Was it Petter last time that had the really juicy one? No, no, it was Joe Animated. Sorry, Petter. It wasn't you that time. It was Joe. What was, that? What was the question again? It was awesome. It was... Um...
2: Was, it, was it to us or it was during a... Uh, it wasn't a QA. With... It was
1: it was a it was a conversation with, and it was just some question that he dropped at the very end. Ah, uh, yeah, appeal. That's right. Like, what, it was essentially what was our opinion on what makes an animation appealing, like uh, as per the like, twelve animation principles.
2: That's why I don't remember it. Was past eleven? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Bra- David's brain stopped working at that time, so um, he has no recollection of that event. So, um, okay, Petter, I'm gonna I'm not gonna read yours. I'm just gonna roll the dice and see what happens. What could possibly go wrong <laughs> question? What do you think about tracking software being introduced to work from home environments? Oh, man, better. <laughs> better. I, I, what, we're not, we're not going to jump all the shark completely and just ask about being like microchipped, like or, or maybe you're assuming that the software that they're using is microchipped based. I don't know when your mouse slash keyboard clicks are being monitored and stuff. Do you know studios that do this?
2: I uh, dude i've the first time i've ever heard about this and to this day i i don't know for sure any studio that actually did it but it was for a studio that will remain nameless <laughs> and it was in that was 20 years ago it was in 2001 2002 uh and it was obviously on site and production that might have some control freak issues I wanted to calculate the number of mm-hmm. click of every artist to monitor their efficiency. D- just, just take a like, second, <laughs> a second, and let this sink in. Yeah. <laughs> just to the, the, so the level of insanity of yeah. well, oh, obviously, mm-hmm. if you do more clicks, it means that you're a you're better at your at your job. Uh, so anyway, just to say that monitoring people, uh, whether they are from home or on site, is nothing new monitoring how many hours of youtube and netflix and all that but at the end of the day are you delivering or not i mean you know even for 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 myself i've i had a process with animation that when i started to develop my idea i couldn't listen to anything i was a hundred percent focused and then when i start my blocking i could listen to some music but no no lyrics it was too much and then as i progressed i started to have lyrics and when i was to the point of polishing it was so autopilot that it was too boring i needed to have like a documentary or something on the side just to occupy my my brain ju- just enough for all those days to just grind through all the polishing that i had to do without being constantly distracted and go to the coffee machine in the air there so there's no direct correlation between what happens on your computer or the number of click or the only thing is you have deadline, you have weekly quota, you have quality expectation. Do you deliver or not? If, when I was supervising, I didn't care if someone was working 22 hours or 48. Uh, It was just, can you, if you're amazing, you're fast and you're good, fine. I'm not going to penalize you and ask you to work twice. Uh, in terms exactly. of volume than the others, it's just that well, good on you. You spend many years to dig up your yeah. your skills. and yeah, you can go
1: home earlier right. and and that's your, it. Your reward is is you actually get some free time now. So yeah. good. there's a pretty good uh, um, incentive for the for someone to work officially, right?
2: Yeah. So anyway, I don't know personally any studio that actually uh, uh, did it. I don't know if when working from home, I know that there was a fear in the beginning. (laughs) Oh, people are working from home. But, you know, statistically, it it has a a neglectable effect. If anything, people are even more efficient when they're uh, working, especially especially if they have flexible hours that when they're really in the zone and in the mood, they can continue to work for. And when they're just distracted and don't feel like who's there to see you in front of a computer doing nothing, no one. So just go take a walk, do something else and come yep. back when you're going totally. to be productive. So
1: totally agree. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I've heard stories. I don't know. I don't have no proof of, uh, well, I mean, I mean, there have been we- they, p- since the, the beginning of the pandemic, I haven't heard uh, any official stories or I have no proof of anybody doing this. But like, I mean, I have heard stories, but I have no proof. But um, But yeah, I'm for sure. It's a thing for sure. I'm sure it's an even bigger thing in big corporations that are um, not creative, but it's yeah, it's like David said, it's like I think that the people like it it must be difficult being that person, this this Mm. person that David was talking about, like because they are obviously a very paranoid individual and they're they're focusing their energy in the wrong place. You know, I I find it sad that producers or productive or production oriented people um, seem to totally have no idea how to make people productive. It's like, they have old school ways. It's like, it's like the whip and the carrot. That's all. That's all they got to work with or the stick and the carrot. They don't know. They have no concept of anything else because they, they kind of come from a very old school way of thinking. Um, but yeah, those, you know, like, like I was saying before, this is something I've said many times before and I'll keep saying it. Um, there are many dinosaurs living among us right now and many of them are about to go to, to go extinct because the rules have changed. And um, the 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 companies they are they're able to pivot and figure this out and produce uh, create a healthy and a flexible environment for for the artists are the ones that, are, that everyone's going to work. Those are the studios that people are going to work want to work at, and the other ones are just going to suffer to find good people. End of story. Yeah,
2: so, uh, I would say for me, the only moment it would be maybe acceptable uh, for a studio to do that is if they notice that someone is way less productive than they should be they had multiple you know warning and all that and at some point they're like okay we, we need to you know he's working on a, if we pay him for 40 hours uh, a week he's not even delivering half of what is is lead and coworkers have suspicion uh let's see you know the amount of hours of activity that there is in a computer. And if they realize that, okay, during the week, my eyes open for 16 and a half hours, then it might be part of different uh, information that would build a case to let this person go because clearly that person is not satisfied uh, with the work that they have yeah. to, to do yeah. to the point of not even working for the hours that they're paid off. Mm. But just to do this at scale, to monitor if people are working in general, it's it's for me, it's just a waste of time. It makes no sense.
1: Exactly. I have a comment here that I think is worth uh, mentioning here. I have a friend, um, I think, who had a job where their webcam would take a picture every now and then to make sure that they were at workstation and their screen was recorded. Um, I'm I'm very hopeful that this is actually uh, something that was happening at at the workplace because I'm pretty, pretty confident that that would be a breach of privacy for anybody to be taking pictures of anyone at home, even if they're working from home. So I'm I'm very, very hopeful that this is um, not um, um, not related to pandemic and working from home
2: yeah uh, I personally believe in in karma I mean you when you have a studio you're mm. trying to build a culture which is going to bring the top talent which is going to allow you to produce quality work which is going to mm. let you get better uh, project to, to work on uh, monitoring your employees like this is yes. not, not even well it's not a step in the good direction to build this culture <laughs> of trust that's going to allow you to attract up talent and you know we are in an industry currently that there is no shortage mm. of work so mm. yeah interesting
1: man at least a lot of conspiracy theories showing up in stretch out here I'm, I'm curious i'll i'll, I'll uh, entertain a couple of them just because i think they're interesting um like for so this one here um i have heard teams gather lots of information from the screen while teams is open um again if you're working from home and um, the company, you're working on your own computer um, and you're working for some company that's doing something like that, I would again say that that would be a pretty big breach of contract, I think, or a, a breach of, of privacy. I think that the rules are very different. If you're at the, on the job using their equipment, all, all bets are off. They can do whatever the hell they want at that point, as far as I'm concerned. As far as, as, far as most con- uh, people are concerned, as, I'm sure as as far as I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pra- I'm fairly confident that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, at home, I think the rules are very different. And so um, I think the only way that you would get away with that is if you're using a work computer that they sent you and you signed a bunch of waivers that said that they're allowed to do that. Otherwise, uh, if you haven't waived your white wa- rights, uh, they are infringing upon them by doing something like that.
2: I'm pretty sure if you're just using your mouse, keyboard, and monitor to work with a remote desktop connection. So technically, the computer that you're using is a property of the studio. It would not be a breach of uh, privacy. Uh, I'd oh, be right. very okay. interested to you're, have you're the right. lawyer experts.
1: You're right. You're right. But okay. But you're, what you're talking about there is a remote connection, like a remote desktop um, um, application. So what they're doing is they're recording the session, but that's not at home. It, it can only record the remote computer, well, the local to the office computer. So only what's running in that session. And yeah. I would agree that would be totally on. That would be super, super legal. Because I would imagine. technically,
2: you would not be supposed to use mm. that computer for personal use. Exactly. You Use your own computer for personal use, exactly. and then you. Actually Activate this remote connection exactly. To, exactly. to
1: work. They shouldn't be able to snoop on your own private desktop. That would be illegal for sure. Because I mean, who knows what you're gonna have up there? You're gonna have your own personal email up. You're gonna have who knows? Lots of like private information that they have no business looking at because they're, it's not their computer. Yeah. No, I think David's right. I think 100. So if that's the case, so like these kind of stories that float around and these rumors sometimes have some truth in them. Sometimes they, you know, the devil's in the details though. You just have to think logically about it. And and just be careful what you sign, because who knows what you're signing in some of these contracts, right? Especially, (laughs) especially nowadays, like there might be some new things that they're trying to sneak in there to try to control things.
2: Well, and there's many studios that have in their uh, their contract that basically anything that you're doing in the field of expertise that they are hiring you for is their property. So like you are an engineer, you're hired uh, to code something and you do some code on the stuff for your own project make sure you don't have this kind of clause in your yeah. uh, contract. And if you do, be at friends and say, uh, by the way, guys, I'm going to do this. Nothing ready to, to do. Not going to do it on working hours. Can I? Can you please sign this addendum that allows me to do this uh, project? That's something that is not commonly known, but I know, uh, including myself, uh, uh, You know, with the different Venture and project that I worked on, I had to say, uh, please, Studio X, sign this just to clarify yep. that it has nothing to do, and you do not own the property of what I'm building yep. over here. And <coughs> totally. usually they do, but just be careful, especially if you are working on mm-hmm. a computer that is uh, at the uh, at the studio site. Uh, absolutely.
1: Uh, here's another one from the backlog. Um, it's a, n- another good one here. Uh, where did it go? There it is. Um, What attracts you to recruiting someone for your team? So Mm. uh, this can be answered many ways, um, I think, because, you know, uh, attracting or incentive is uh, can be, uh, you know, it comes in many shapes and sizes and a lot of very progressive thinking teams um, monetize that. Um, there's a lot of the last companies. I mean, Agora does this. As a matter of fact, Agora Studio um, is uh, it allows their their members to help recruit better. You know, more members because obviously uh, the the more the merrier, and um, mm-hmm. you, you can cut down on recruiting costs a lot. You know what I mean? Like, and these you know these these bonuses are like depending on the company or anywhere from anywhere from like you know a few hundred dollars all the way up to multiple thousands of dollars. Depends on the company you're working for. Because if you think about it, think of how many hours a recruiter would have to put in to to like not only find but also get someone interested get through the interview process like after it all said and done there's hours and hours put in there so like you know it's it's, for them it's like a thousand dollars to like throw someone for doing all that work for them is a pretty pretty good deal um so uh that's one way of doing it that's one way to be attracted you can always get my attention with money i'm a bit of a mercenary
2: it's funny again i study question the lip a little bit (laughs) differently
1: (laughs) that's why there's two of us dude
2: uh, I cite in the sense that what uh, what are you looking for into someone mm. that you're uh, going to uh, recruit to, to mm. your team mm. uh, so let's explore this uh, uh, other angle so it could mm. be when you're interviewing or someone that is already in the studio when you know the beginning of the project you're looking you put all the, the cards on the table and you're deciding okay who's uh, who do I want on uh, on my team um, I'd say going with this angle for me, probably in order of priority, the first one would be uh, how much how much fun does it looks like we'll going to have with this uh, person. And when I say fun, I generalize a lot, uh, but mainly I don't want anyone that's going to complain constantly. I don't want someone that's going to be a bad influence. I'm the one. I don't want someone that's going to you know talk down to people, uh, uh, around I-, I want someone overall that's going to bring fun and joy mm-hmm. and motivation and inspiration on the, uh, uh, on the team. So just someone that I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, I want to go and have a beer with this person <laughs> because, you know, work is just one mm-hmm. of the many aspects of, uh, of life. And although we all have a job to do, we are attracted to work with people that we're going to have fun with, uh, because there is going to be ups and downs, and oh, yeah. uh, you know, you you have to stick uh, together. That that's for sure. The second one would be just you know pretty boring, but skills and experience. Does this person uh, you know correspond to what we have to do and the level of quality that we're going for? The third one would probably be: Is that person a? Team player, or someone that is just, you know, working on this side and not really sharing with the rest of the team, not really communicating with the rest of the team, or basically just think about his own part and not work. Uh, because when you are dealing with a, a, a team, you, you don't deal with a collection of individual. You deal with a team. Um, And the fourth one would probably be: uh, What other relevant skills uh, do do they have? So it's for animation. Uh, Is there technical skills, rigging skills, acting skills? So we can, you know, ask this person to shoot reference uh, at time. Uh, You know, if they're rigging skill, maybe they can help to rig uh, with rig wrecking and be the person that's going to go and communicate with the uh, rigging department. So what other? skills that are in periphery of these specific skills that they need to to possess so i would say those were this would probably be the the, the four different aspects that I would be looking um in order
1: um going back to what i was saying um because i think the two of them kind of overlap anyways because i mean at the end of the day it's like what would incentivize you to actually even put the work in to recruit someone um mm-hmm. and then of course when you do that what aspects of that person do you consider worth worthy to, to bring into the fold right um, but I think it, you know, it is, it is good advice. I've actually worked at companies before and I, I brought a bunch of people in and then found out after the fact that there was a bonus program and that kind of sucked because I just missed out on all this free cash. So you, you, if you're going to go and spend the time and energy trying to recruit some of your own contacts, take a, take a minute, just send each HR a quick, uh, a quick email and be like, do you have a program? Make sure that you're aware of it because otherwise you like, you quite literally could be throwing away money. And I mean, I'm not that everyone has to be a mercenary, but I mean, you know, it's kind of nice to have a couple thousand extra dollars to, to, to do something with. Um. But the other thing to consider here is also, um, you know, people I've often heard people say, you know, build the world you want to live in. Right. And at work, that is your world. You know, I mean, you're going to be spending a lot of time during the day. The bulk of your week will be at that place or working for with that team if if you're working from home. Um, and so, you know, a good way to sort of. Um, build a really healthy team that you feel like you're compatible with is to bring in people that you're compatible with Sim- simple as that you have an opportunity to shape that team by stepping up and offering some, some um, you know, some names into the, into the hat people that you think would be a good fit. But I mean, try to find people that are going to fit. Don't try to find people that just, you're going to get along with naturally. You want to find someone who's going to be able to fit in overall, but obviously also get along nicely with you as well. Yeah um do we get more questions in here I want to make sure I'm not ignoring chat looks like don't forget to put those cues those are like uh those are Brent food if I see those cues I jump all over it <laughs> um people are still t- talk sharing stories about like uh people spying on them they're always watching and um and tracking and stuff uh let's see I'll bring in another one from the backlog uh,
2: yeah there are some comments there about uh, some crazy security measures. Oh, yes. I know that there are some production studio, again, not going to name any name that would literally send spies um, and people that would try to go in the, the, the studio, uh, <laughs> they would show up and say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I lost my I lost my badge. Can you please let me in? Someone would let them in and then they go yep. to see any random artists and oh, uh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm new here. Can I see what you're... Uh, working on oh yeah no problem and uh, I can show you this and that and then we're like okay thank you and they would come back and say all right so we've sent a Mr X that's been able to get within the gates that's been able to go see <laughs> so you have two weeks to reinforce your security measures otherwise we are going to pull this yeah. uh, this production that you're working on so yeah it can be it can get pretty serious so on on one side. Uh, we, we we laugh when studios are doing crazy things in terms of security measures as we mentioned before. On the other side we have to recognize that they often are under a lot of pressure and yep. often it's under pressure that you make bad decisions. So,
1: Yep. <laughs> True story. Um, I think I told the story about when I was working at Ubisoft on Avatar, how we all had like completely com- different computers that were off the grid. We had like two sets of computers. There was like one for the for the job that was on its own little private network. And then there was one that was connected to the rest of the, the, the Ubisoft network as well as the internet. They had like essentially like a physical firewall around that project. It was crazy. And you had to like have a special card. You couldn't just be a Ubisoft person going in there. So it really depends. I mean, it's interesting because that kind of level of paranoia needed to be probably adjusted a little bit for for these productions to survive in the new world of the pandemic, the post pandemic era. Because, like, you can imagine if they if they're if they're doing that kind of level of control on a secure building, you can imagine how they feel about you having their stuff at home. <laughs> not, they probably don't feel good about it. Um, here's another question here from the backlog. Take a look at this one. Um, what? After that, we just had one
2: from chat, but the, oh, yeah, there was another okay, little cue. So you, yeah, you might have I'm
1: ignoring it. it. I'm ignoring it. You didn't put a cue. Didn't listen. Sorry. kidding i'll remember but honestly put the queue it's just easier to remember to find them what is the most overlooked part of animation that animators should focus on more
2: for me if if we have to choose one let's go with one each i'm probably going to steal you steal yours so that's why i decided to to go first uh (laughs) it's preparation uh it's Over time, I mean, it takes a few years to know how to animate well, and then eventually you realize that what you actually decide to animate uh, has a massive impact between a super fun and original performance that is not as polished or a super polished, boring idea that we've seen hundreds of times go with the uh, original one. So spend some time in research, shoot some reference, make your research, and make sure that when you're starting to work on this blocking, you're like... Oh yeah, that's going to be a super fun shot to 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 work on. Instead of just go, shit, I have just a week. I need to go right away, and I'll figure out as I'm going. No, uh, I often had a, a rule of spending as much as anywhere between ten and twenty percent of your time on preparation. So you have a week, take a day. You have two weeks, take two days. You have a month and a half, took a complete week just to Absolutely. figure out what you're going to do.
1: Yeah, I d- I would agree with that. That's a big one. I, it 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 really separates the the experience from the from the less experienced. I find, and and I I hate to admit this, but a lot of experienced people make this mistake too. They just they get into the routine, they get into this habit, and they just start animating without thinking. Like it's because it's, it's actually probably they're probably more guilty of it because they're they're they've been doing it for so long, they have a workflow. It kicks in and they just sort of takes over, and they forget to take a step back and go, okay, but like. Am, am I considering all the things and to do a little bit of a deeper dive here on preparation? Like what are the things that I think um, are of, often the most important things during the preparation? One of those things is context. You in that context is different depending on what you're doing. Are you working on an animation for a video game and it's a gameplay animation? Um, you know, what are the technical conti- you know, like restrictions or or not restrictions, but um. um uh, constraints constraints exactly like what are like what are the you know how do we need to be building this make sure that you have an idea as to how it's going to be brought into the game um are you working on a shot from a feature film or a cinematic for a game Or do you do you have the context or the subtext to, to the scene um have you have you have you read that a, a good portion of the script for that for that whole thing hopefully the whole script have you watched the Have you read the storyboards have you watched them like uh, the, 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 the sequel the 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 scenes before and after to see how it all fits together like yeah. have you done that or are you just literally taking one look at the you know the animatic and be like yeah i got this and then go like because you're missing out a lot of opportunities to really dig a little deeper because you have to remember the storyboard artist didn't put it all in there it's not all there right it's there to kind of get the general idea so they can make sure that the ball can start moving forward and then layout can start happening it doesn't have all the little subtext and all the other little juicy bits they're expecting the animators to put that stuff in and the animators need to go and do their homework to make sure that happens the other yeah. thing i would say is um that uh i feel like i don't know i don't know why this happens but i feel like at some point uh, animators stop they stop they they may never have had this in their head uh, or they did at one point then it kind of escapes them maybe because they just they're becoming jaded I don't know but they they, they forget that they're, they're entertainers you know what I mean like there's there's a layer of entertainment to the world of animation and it doesn't matter what you're doing you're a communicator yes but you're but you're an, you're an entertainer. You're entertaining an audience. You're entertaining a player by fulfilling a player fantasy. You're entertaining an audience member because you're making this moment in the, in the movie or whatever all that much more memorable and like making it feel like that character feels so real on the screen. The entertaining part seems to sort of elude people sometimes. Um, and it just, all you have to do is remember that, oh yeah, like this should be fun. Well, I mean, uh, maybe the shot's not supposed to be fun. Maybe it's supposed to be sad. But like my point is, that you 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 want to add a layer of drama and or and or comedy that that is that is not just surface level. You want to try to dig a little deeper and try to really um, do something fun and interesting with the shot. Don't uh, <laughs> don't just phone it in. You know, sometimes you just want to get it done and get it off the list and move on to the next one. And and um, maybe sometimes the schedule is so tight that you kind of have no choice. But it's, I I I believe that you should at least pick one every once in a while to really kind of do something fun fun with because for your own sanity so that you can really kind of get a bit more connected with the with the production that you're on
2: yeah you mentioned something very briefly the technical preparation that is mm. also important i Huge. mean uh, let's take a random example you have a shot where you have your a bird flying in the air and you have the camera following it and mm-hmm. a, Okay, so are you going to create your a setup where you have a parent that is controlling both, and then you can easily offset one uh, the other, and that's going to be on a path, which means that if you need to bring it somewhere else in the world, all of this can be done in 20 seconds, or you're just going to start to keyframe and counter-animate the character and the camera uh, over and over to the point that you've mm-hmm. wasted hours and hours to, to do that? so this can apply to any kind of so think about the performance you're going to do think about your planning the posing and all that but think about the technical challenge that Mm -hmm. you're going to face because sometimes Mm -hmm. you paint yourself in a corner and it takes a lot more time to untangle the mess that you've created than just spend A few more minutes to think about it ahead of time.
1: And keeping in mind that that shot might, for whatever reason, not end up with you all the way to the end. Sometimes shots (laughs) have to move to a different animator and you are going to make someone very unhappy when they inherit your mess. That if you've been like, like needing to animate with one hand tied behind your back with like blindfolded, like it's don't do it.
2: Yeah. If for any reason your lead has to complete your shot, maybe you had too many shots and you need to help or whatever, uh, you gain a lot of points if you're clean in what you're doing. That three controllers that are doing the same thing are not counter animating each other, yep. and you have your stuff properly laid out so yep. anyone can arrive and say, "Oh, okay, yeah, I understand what's going on
1: here." Yep, absolutely. And um, you know, as a, as a as a one of our uh, favorite techn- technical animators always says, "Work smart, not hard." Right? Basically, mm-hmm. you, you, you that's the time to do that is at the very beginning. You have to see see a path from where you are, to the finish line and figure out what the most efficient way there is, because you're not just paid to get a job done well; you're also paid to get the job done well, uh, done efficiently. You don't want to take five times longer than you should. You want to try to find the quickest way there, and especially if you work for a great company that rewards you for getting it done faster, then it's more time for your feet to be up on the desk and drinking sangrias, right? You want to make sure that um, you want to make sure that you're thinking about a, a way that's going to get you there in a in a in a good amount of time. Uh, one one last little kind of point here. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm kind of making this is Joe's making me think of this when he, when he says that, you know, he's been looking at a lot of junior work lately and there's so many things that are overlooked, a lot of the basics. Um, so uh, I, along with this thing of like, you know, technical constraints, just other little things that, that kind of bugs me, like big pet peeve of things that are overlooked is just like, you know, proper naming conventions, like name your animation layers. This goes back to, again, if, if someone else inherits your shot, don't make it like a freaking puzzle for them to try to figure <laughs> out. It's not fun. So like, just take the time, take the, the two seconds to name it, you know? For yourself, for your own sanity and for the possibility that somebody else is gonna have to open it up at some point. Okay, let me roll it back to it was Zach had a question here. Oh, Zach, you're such a sweetheart. He went I, I scared him. I I I I, I, I Hopefully he didn't him. leave. Yeah, yeah. Here, he's right here. He put a Q in front of it. All right, so do you have any tips on getting through the last bit of a shot? I'm on the sixth week of a school shot and I'm having some difficulty staying on task and being uh, staying productive.
2: Um, I'm going to assume here that you're in the final polishing phase, that you kind of know what needs to be done, but your motivation level is and your energy level is going down uh, because, you know, the exciting part of creating a mm-hmm. performance and all that is way behind. And now it's just a matter of, you know, uh, cleaning the plate and, you know, making sure that it's Doing properly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. I don't want to say it's a boring job, job, but it's not, maybe not the most exciting, uh, part of it. Um, I don't know. There's many things. I always share that from when I got to this boring, uh, part, it, it was not, Um, Occupy. uh, it was not taking enough brain uh, energy so I had to have a documentary on the side because (laughs) I could literally go on autopilot Mm. but it was if I had nothing else to kind of completely fill my mind I'm doing this but I need this entertainment to get in the flow state Um, this is uh, that was a moment when I was just procrastinating and go to talk with some friends and go get a coffee and go for a walk and come back in Uh, and this is touching maybe a little a more interesting topic, which is you know getting into the a flow state, which is mm. this this part that you're completely immersed in what you're doing. Like the surrounding is you know dissipating, time is slowing down, and you're just focused on what you're doing. This requires to have a <clears throat> a very narrow. Um, um, th- th- your brain needs to not be underutilized because if so, you're bored and not overflowing with too much to do because then there's just too much and you start to 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 stress. It needs to be just at the right level of, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm able to en- enjoy it. But at the same time, if it gets boring, uh, either it's music or podcast or audiobook or anything else that's just going to allow me to grind through the work. Um, it definitely helps to separate. You know, okay, I'm just going to visually isolate the right hand and not just the left hand, and I'll just the. Uh, so basically, you're. Polishing in a layered approach of okay justice 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 and you allow your brain just to focus on those small steps because at the end of the day you're going to get there it's just you need the motivation to put one foot in front of the other for x amount of time until you're getting there uh, and everyone has different tricks to to get there.
1: I think for me, it really, it's, it's a very personal thing. You, there's, a, there's a reason that you feel the way that you do. And I think you need to get to the bottom of why. Are you, are you disillusioned by the shot? Maybe you're not interested in a shot because it's not working anymore. Maybe that maybe you missed something. Maybe it's not, maybe the magic's not there. I mean, take a step back. And I think taking a break, like David's saying, is really critical for that. You can't just sit there for like 12 hours grinding on a shot and expect you to still have fresh perspective. You need to go work on another shot for a while, block out another one, let that one sit on the back burner for a while and then come back to it with some fresh eyes because those fresh eyes might be invigorated with like having, you know, it's like, you know, like they always, people say that, um, you know, um, uh, distance makes the heart, heart grow fonder. It's the same thing with a shot. Often, it's like you, 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 you need to 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 just take a break and then come back to it. Um, it could be that you just don't know. Maybe you're going in circles because you don't know. It's it's maybe there's something that you're struggling with, but you just you know, so at that point, get, get someone else to look at it, you know, take, take a, get a peer to give, give you some advice. like what's working, what's not working. Like all, maybe all you need is some food to sink your teeth into. Um, maybe you're just going on in circles because you just don't know. You just like, you're just, you lost your way because you just don't know what you do. You feel like it needs to be better, but you don't know where to spend the time. So like, I mean, I could go off for hours as to like the number of reasons why you might feel bored with the shot at the end. And the reason why I say this is, and, and I know everyone's different, you know what I mean? Like some people like David, he's definitely uh, a blocking kind of guy. I'm He for sure strikes me as the guy who he, he gets excited by by the idea of the shot and like putting it in there in a point where it's like, oh, it works. He sees it in his head and he's done. He wants to move on to the next one, right? It's just unfortunate reality. He needs to get it to cross the finish line and all that stuff is just doing the work. It's not really, but it's probably on autopilot because he already sees it in his head. He just has to put the time in. I don't know if that's exactly how you are, David, but basically how you described it earlier made me feel like that's probably the way you are. Um, There are people like that. I would right?
2: say once I'm past blocking and now I know exactly yeah. it, I, I like, even the no spline, right? and you get to the polish, it, it's yeah, it gets almost too easy and boring.
1: Exactly. I was like this in high school. I, I, I had a hard time paying attention in at a lot of classes because. Um, if I lo- if as soon as my, and I'm not trying to say I'm some sort of smart guy, like it just, if, if I, if I understood it, once I understood the concept, I start to lose interest in it because it's like, okay, let's move on to something new, fresh. I want my brain once it's hungry for new problems to solve. And, um, so I was, uh, it really, it unfortunately fueled my procrastination because, uh, I could go on for hours how I really don't like the way that the, the classical school system works. Cause I don't think it really works for the way, like, I mean, there's, there's alternative schools that I really kind of wish I had a chance to go to um, uh, Montessori schools, for instance, they really are, they, they became quite popular for trying to disrupt this kind of problem. But anyways, I digress. The point is everyone's different. So make sure that it's not just a personality thing. Maybe it's an actual pro- shot, problem with the shot thing. You know, I think is I, all I really saying there, because you want to make sure that, that you address that. Yeah. Um. Okay. We got probably one, you got time, you got energy for another another one? We have four minutes left.
2: Sure. We have another one from from Petter, Petter again.
1: Okay.
2: He's Petter. He's like, he's on fire. He's, just, be, he's
1: been away for a while. So he's like, he's been storing it all up.
2: Just blindly throw it in. in yeah. It. yeah. I'm just Not doing even it. Look at I'm it. reading it.
1: It's crazy. How you how, have, have how you? Have, oh, have you? God, I don't know how to read. That's my problem. Have you ever not been properly credited at the end of a project? Oh God, why do you always have the juicy ones? What are some reasons <laughs> people don't get credited at the end of games, even though they've spent several years on the project, I've heard stories. Oh man, I got I, I have a good personal one. It's just it.
2: I, so I, I, I like that it ends with I've heard stories. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> there are so many. Video game industry is particularly guilty of this, particularly guilty, guilty of this. I don't know why. I really feel like they have a very weird, and I'm going to call it petty. I'm going to go right ahead and say it's petty because it is petty. If you don't complete the project, you often get relegated as just a special thanks at the end. It doesn't matter if you spent almost all of the time, like three, four years on it, and then you just didn't stay for ship. It, there's this sort of ship Culture. It's like if you didn't stick around a ship, then you weren't here at all. And there's this weird thing that happens. I don't like it. It's not right at all because there's lots of reasons why people might need to leave. One of them is, could be toxic relationships with coworkers. Some of it could be like like they had to move away to be with their family that was sick. There's like a million reasons, and so I just find it really kind of bro culture. This idea of like you know you had to be there at that day and you know ship together and bleed with us that day for you to really be get get full. I'm clearly jaded, as you can see um but but <laughs> i just i don't know why i don't i think anybody who contributes time and energy should be properly mm-hmm. accredited like i don't know why it's a thing but it is
2: yeah um uh, i might have a more nuanced uh, opinion uh, on it I, I think that over the first project that you work on you have your name at the end of the credits it's mm-hmm. it's amazing you made it the yeah. second one the third one is great after a couple yeah, you stop caring uh, It doesn't matter anymore. I do agree. I mean, you still can put this production in your IMDB or in your CV or in your LinkedIn and in your showreel. And those are the places where it really matters. I agree. Sure. It's great to take a screenshot of the end credits (laughs) when the movie is out and share it on Mm -hmm. Facebook and have your eight minutes of of fame. Sure. And someone somewhere either decided or just forgot and you don't have this five minutes. It it, it Mm -hmm. sucks. Get over it. It, yeah. it, it really is not the, the end of the day. Why does it happen? Brent uh, provided great uh, explanation. Sometimes if you you don't forget, uh, finish the project. But I would say that usually the way it works is there's a coordinator or a project manager or someone in HR that is mm. in charge to provide yeah. the list of credits at the end. This usually happens in the end, and there's a lot of time that it's just, oops, it's been forgotten. You're not there anymore. You didn't sign the thing. No one thought about adding you, and you've just been forgotten. There's dozens of people uh, that are always forgotten at the end of uh, credits. So there's that. There's other reason why a a studio that would hire another studio to do the work that you know they can use another vendor, but there are some yeah. clause that said that they would not be in the, and often yep. this is something mm-hmm. that vendor will be uh, noticed ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, just, uh, there's an expression for it. I don't re- uh, uh, remember what it is, but there's an expression that just say that we are going to hire you, you guys to do the work, but unfortunately we are not allowed to have the, your your team in the, uh, in the credits uh and it is what it is and that's it and again you can make a big deal about it or just be ah, it's all right it'll be in my linkedin in my show real anyway yeah. so you know it's uh it, it's fine so i i would say it's unfortunate sometimes it's deliberate many times it's simply forgotten uh yeah. people at the end of production are <laughs> tired they forget and this is usually when those lists are, are made uh and at the end of the day it sucks but it's not a big deal.
1: I agree that the big picture is not a big deal, but I still, I'm a, I know, I'm a kind of a principled kind of guy and I got bit by this really bad once. And so it's like, it stings me and it still bothers me that that's a thing. And I'm just like, it's just so dumb. So, I mean, it, but it, in the big picture, David's right you know i can sit there and be mad about it all i want but it's not going to change anything it's um it's uh, i know what i did i know what my contributions are and the people that were around me at that time they know um and so i mean at the end of the day you know it's um it's 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 uh it's not worth losing a lot of sleep over because david said like you said like no one's gonna go and be like you could put it on your demo reel or your in your cv and you say you worked on this game you know for two years um you didn't you know i i would i i like to always be very clear on my cv and say i didn't ship it um mo- because i know that that's the mentality of a lot of game companies that they, that's that's important and so i want to be very forthcoming with that and um You know, and then no one's going to go and then go and be like, and, 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 you know, Go check the credits, like, because you know, because they know too that there's a good chance if you left before it was done and you said right there and your CV didn't ship it, then they they know that they're gonna possibly not find you in the credits. It's just <laughs> the way it is, and so at all <laughs> at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I don't I don't get I don't get jobs because of the last you know the thing I'd had that that was in the credits. That's just not how it works. But yeah. I, but it's true though. It feels so important. In the beginning is like you're staying at the end of the movie and taking pictures of yourself in the credits, and and after the few of them, you just like you just don't care. You just you put it on your freaking and you move on to the next project. Yeah.
2: I would say uh, nowadays, there's so many reasons and so many places to be mad about everything. I mean, you're in charge of where you put your energy. You want to put it there. Uh, No one is going to suffer Mm -hmm. from that. If you go to the extreme of being super pissed and you you call your supervisor and you make a big deal about it, (laughs) you're the only one who's going to, you know, <laughs> suffer from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have Peter here that said, I've read some conspiracies that an employers use the credit as a way to keep you at work until the game goes gold. No,
1: Shh. not the credit. Not the credit. They usually, it's usually the bonus.
2: Yeah, it's usually it's the, the bonus. bonus. And again, my oh. approach to it is if it works, well, you're the one who decided <laughs> to yeah. allow this trap to, to, to work because, yeah. yeah, in video game, it, Video Game Studio or Notorious, there's usually three type of bonuses there. Did you ship on on time? What is your Metacritic uh, uh, score? And how many copies did it sell? And usually the biggest bonus is with the how many copies did it sell. But you don't have this number before three or six months Mm -hmm. after the release of the game. By the time you have this information and you do receive your bonus, you're already way into another production that's going to promise those other bonuses. So, yes, it is a cycle that that totally exists. Uh, you can have your opinions. Uh, we, we have ours. But at the end of the day, you're still in charge of, are you going to keep this, this uh, you know, 50k bonus in two and a half years uh, have a big impact on if you decide to stay there or not. It, it's your call. No one is yep. going to force you.
1: Yep, 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 yep. Um, I'll entertain anybody, uh, people one day with my 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 story. It's it's very it, it it fits in perfectly with the um with the conspiracy of of today's chat. I think it's a juicy one that people would would appreciate. But it's uh, it's already after ten, so I'm gonna. I'll um I'll I'll defer this one to another to another stream, Petter. You'll have to remind me to to talk about it, but it's a good one. And I really, mean, I, Brent? or you're that,
2: going to do this? Do What? <laughs> I will. I totally you, do you, it. You're going to tease everyone and then just well. I mean, don't tell it.
1: You you have five minutes. I'll tell it now. I'll do the condensed version of the story if
2: you want. I have five minutes. All right, let's do it. It's fun.
1: I have a good, I have a good sense of humor about it now. But at the time, I have to admit, I was pretty mad. And as you'll see, there's a reason. It's very layered. This story, which is what may, it wasn't just me working on a game. I worked hard, then I didn't finish, and I didn't get in the credits. It is a lot deeper than that. So <laughs> basically, it was Far Cry Three. Um, and it's funny because I actually have um, um, people to back this story up, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter because what am I going to do? Go on like national television and tell everybody the real story? basically um far cry 3 was really struggling for a while It was on it for a good two years um where it was sort of going in circles they were trying to relaunch the brand because far cry 2 they tried to relaunch it didn't work out so well um and um and uh and so they wanted to rebrand it again, and they were really kind of panicked. And editorial in Paris, they are the ones who ultimately have the decision on what like what a brand will do and what it will not do. So they were just trying to, like, both, both parties were trying really hard to figure out what it needed to be. They were going back to the basics, the original Far Cry. It was zany. There was sort of this sort of bigger-than-life personality to it. It was almost kind of had a bit of a tongue-in-cheek humor to it. It was a little bit like they were trying to capture some of that and all these, like, they were trying to figure out what was the DNA of that game and how could they relaunch it and make it more modern. Um, And that's not easy. It's not easy to do, especially when you had a kind of a cult favorite, uh, you know, uh, game that you try to, you're trying to rekindle just like a a movie, same thing, like trying to remake the star Wars movies. How well, how well did that turn out? You know, like not so well, it's a, a heavily nostalgic film series that it's very difficult to recreate. So basically there was a time in there where we were just sort of like trying to, in our own disciplines, try to help kind of brainstorm and try to like kickstart the engine a little bit by like just moving forward and trying things and be like, how about something like this? And so because I was the animation director on that project, um, I was uh, laying down at the time, a lot of the basic stuff, like the, a lot of the AI reaction systems and the first person stuff. And, you know, I had some amazing leads. As a matter of fact, Daryl Purdy was the the lead for cinematics and we had, um, um, we had, um, Kevin Ewan, I think it was. It was. Uh, I, I can't remember who exactly was the lead for gameplay or the first-person stuff. But they were very good. They're very, very. They they had this. They were. They they were. They were kicking some ass. They were doing some really good work laying down that, those basic things. But we wanted to try some some sort of character work. So we went and I I went on a, I went on a, a casting mission and i i was like look just give me a little budget i'll go and find some people that we can work with just to to start putting together some like little test narrative sequences so like yeah okay no problem go so i went it was a canadian only tour i went to montreal i didn't have to go i was already there montreal um uh, toronto and vancouver and i was looking for three people i was looking for the male the the, the male lead the 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 female co-star and the um and the sort of like some henchman that was literally their name a henchman And we're going to do something with that. We're going to just play around with characters, do some narrative sequences, do some performance capture and put something together and test some new performance capture technology that the studio, uh, the the, the mocap studio at Ubisoft was, uh, was playing around with. And so I wanted this little cast. Um, I uh, found some pretty cool people, but this one person, the henchman, I couldn't find. I had the bio. They were like, they just look like, they look like kind of a ripoff King Kong Bundy. They didn't look very interesting, very cookie cutter. A lot of video games are guilty of this. And so I just had a hard time finding somebody interesting. And I, But but I did find somebody really actually quite interesting. Didn't fit the bio at all. And I went back to the creative director. I said, I got some good news. I got bad news. Like, the good news is I found, I, I did not find this person. <laughs> this person does not exist on my tour. Not anybody worth hiring. Um, but there's something I need you to see and I have a crazy plan, but I want you to see this first. So he watches it and it blew his mind. This was the first time I was ever in a cast, like in an audition where I was actually physically uncomfortable. Like I was nervous for my own life. It was, it was a very, very unstable, unhinged audition. This person brought something volatile and it was, I was, I was hypnotized by it and, um, and I was like, I think I think we should bring, I think this should be our, our, our guy. I think it should be our guy. I think we should redesign the character around this guy and we should just own it and like just make it about this guy. Because I'm telling you, there's something here that I've never seen in a video game before. Creative director completely agreed. He's like, all right, but good luck making it happen because they've already started modeling the character. And I'm like, okay, well, here we go. I went to the art director, totally. It was an easy sell for them. And it was just like, they're like, look, Go talk to the the production team and get them to give you some time. Because they they sent me to the wolves, and I needed to get people like, um, to be able to buy into this. So I, I, I it was, it, it was not easy. And this is the part that pisses me off. It was like nothing but pure resistance from the production side. Cause they're like, but Brent, the character's already modeled. I know it's already modeled, but you've, you've modeled a vanilla milkshake and I found <laughs> you a freaking, like, like a, like a rainbow sherbet milkshake with marshmallows and like a unicorn sculpture on top. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? We can't just like pass the blind eye to that. I eventually fought in one after a lot of fighting and, uh, I got some FaceTime with the, with the, uh, the concept artist, uh, Bruno, um, and, um, uh, and they, they started making some really amazing progress on it. We actually ended up um, hiring this guy, and we um, we started doing some pretty cool tests, and it was amazing. And it just caught fire. Um, it was around that time, though, right after those tests that that, that had sort of set up, um, that I left. And I left the um, I left the uh, the this this project in very capable hands. Daryl Purdy, who was the cinematic director at the time, he ended up stepping up, just being the animation director, and he killed it. He literally, I mean, I didn't do anything that ended up in the production on the cinematic side. It was all him working with this individual. But the problem is, the thing that pisses me off is that Ubisoft completely wrote me, wrote me out of the history books. As a matter of fact, they did some behind the scenes, and they had somebody else. It wasn't Daryl, even. I could have handled it if it was Daryl, but it was some other random person that neither one of us had, had ever met that was taking credit for being this, this mastermind that would, like, like, literally taking the words right out of my mouth. Like, you know what, why don't we just go and make, this is crazy, I know, but why don't we just go and make this character, like, about that actor, you know what I mean? And... <laughs> You know, this, and, and this was, no one liked it except for the other directors. And so the, the fact that I got ran out of the history books really to this day really pissing me off. And yes, it was Michael Mondo and it was the Voss character. He actually ended up phoning me repeatedly on press events because he kept going, Brent, this is really awkward. I'm in a press interview again. And um, cause it was obviously, it was a pretty hot topic after the game came out and it kind of exploded. And I'm now sitting next to somebody and the cameras are rolling and someone is telling the story that was you and I, our story, <laughs> and I've never met this person before, like, what do I do? I'm like, dude, honestly, just enjoy it. Enjoy it, it doesn't matter, just pretend it's me, and like, honestly, have 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 fun storming the castle, dude. <laughs> So there you go. There's my story. So these things do happen. That's I'm amazing. not lying to you, but it is pretty rare to get that level of screwed over. Um, yeah. but, a, but at the directorial level, it's it's a bit different too because they want it. What they want to do is they want to give props to the people who actually ship the game. And I and I get it. I'm the first one to admit I didn't ship that game. There's a lot of work that went into the game, but like don't rewrite the history books. Like it's just dumb. So there's there, <laughs> my story.
2: How many years ago, Brent?
1: Yeah, it's it's way too many years for me to remember so many details. I, I think that's what you're getting at. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of years ago. But thank you uh, for reminding me how petty and how, how, how clearly not over it I am. <laughs> oh, God. Let me tell you a story about my high school girlfriend. I'm not over her either. Let's do it.
2: <laughs> just kidding. But that's a pretty good, a pretty good story. It's not I, bad. I, I, I do agree that there's a level of, you know, pride that you can yeah. have with, you know, just to pull up. Not, well, not only to find... <laughs> find him but just to work the mechanism to know where to go and who to convince and all that it was
1: it that's the thing it was a brick wall it was like I was the one that had to get it like literally push like in a tenacious little squirrel that I can be they get it to get it to happen and then and then the, the, the same people that fought the idea are the ones taking credit for it I have issue with I have very very yeah. big issue with and like I mean I left a bunch of the story little little things out like uh, that, that really was icing on the cake like you know yeah. coming back afterwards and being like hey uh, someone wants to interview me about some of the work that we did on performance capture in that game and just wanted to talk about that like just this, the concept of <laughs> trying to work more with the rather than try to put square peg round hole, like just the epiphany that was suddenly taking the industry by storm was hire a good actor and build characters around actors because yeah. that just makes way more sense, right?
2: I mean, it, it was among the first, I don't want to say good actor, but among the first character that was like holy shit that stole the show of it, a game and a absolutely. game was marketed around a character and it, yeah. there was not a lot of that before no. far cry three
1: and, and now all now they're trying to literally it's a little sad to be honest now they're just trying to and I, I i like to joke in my own mind my own pride likes to say they just keep trying to do the same thing over and over again but the problem is they don't they don't they they didn't cook up the original recipe so they don't how to mm. they don't how to innovate on it it's just it's always the same just go find someone who's like unhinged and psychopathic and then and it'll work. People love that. It's like yeah, yeah, to a certain degree, but it also gets a little repetitive in my mind. But, anyways, yeah. like like the the, the the Far Cry games are amazing, and I mean, I didn't even ship one. The people who work on those games are all awesome, and um, full credit to Daryl Purdy. He was the one that got that through, you know past the, you know across the finish line, and, and he and I talk about this all the time. We think it's funny, but it's yeah. um, you know, it just goes to show you that sometimes you're not gonna get all the credit. You gotta move forward or become yeah. a jaded old hermit like me. They, I haven't they, left my
2: they just forgot to that this fiction was, you know, based on the true story <laughs> of. of <laughs> that's it. They, they, there was some credit missing. Yeah, yeah, there uh, was there, kind of
1: credit, sure. just they just forgot who was the yeah, actual yeah. person. But
2: yeah. Whatever. And speaking of Daryl Purdy,
1: what is he here? What what's happening? Boom!
2: He's going to appear. Oh, now, oh that'd be amazing
1: if he did. That'd we're so actually
2: cool. going to have him in our uh, conversation conversation with uh, oh, stream pretty soon.
1: Oh, I didn't know because like like we were talking to him and he was kind of a little bit worried about timing, but he apparently got back to you and it's happening.
2: We're going to make it happen somewhere in November. <laughs> okay,
1: good. That's awesome. Yeah. You guys are like Daryl. He's a great guy. He's, um, he's, um, very, very much into the, um, working with actors part of the job. He mm-hmm. kind of got hooked on it a long time. He actually got hooked on a far cry three. That was where he got hooked just like I did. And, um, yeah. And now he's been doing it ever since. He's been seeking out jobs where he uh, he gets to do that. Petter, my eye is doing a little bit better. Thank you for asking.
2: Oh, there we go. We we go full circle into where we started.
1: Yeah, that's wow. it. <laughs> on that note, it's time to sign off. David has to go to bed because it's way past his bedtime. And um, we uh, will see you, I guess, on the next one. And then the next one is tomorrow?
2: Yeah, tomorrow. We have in Dave right. Mullins tomorrow. Yes, in the evening. Ooh, that'll be interesting.
1: That'll be, yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of stories speaking of stories. So that'll be definitely a uh, an entertaining one, to say the least. Um, I just want to give people the specifics. It is. uh, Yeah, tomorrow at um, eight o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard. David Mullins. He um, uh, was a a, a animation director at Pixar. He was the animation director on up as well as the the animation director. or No, he was the director on on Lou, right? Like it was all him, yeah. Okay, so yeah, writer, director, yeah, the full kit and caboodle. So very interesting, dude. Very um, open book, let's say. I think it'll be it'll be fun. So please do show up to that. Um, Otherwise, David, thank you. Uh, We'll see you. uh, I'll see you then, and uh, I'll see some of you hopefully um, at the 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 conversation tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. Bye,
0: Bye. Brent. Bye, chat. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects, and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs, and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from, to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at Agora.Community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.